Hey guys, and welcome to a bonus episode of This Is What Blind Looks Like. Kimberly is back with me today. So, yay. I'm so happy. Sorry. No, 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 you're fine. I'm so happy to have Kimberly back with me because I've missed her and she is the other half of this podcast. So, I'm so happy to be complete again. And today, we're going to talk about advocating with Congress. And I know Kimberly is going to tell us all about it because she went to an event earlier this month called Washington Seminar. It's an event by the National Federation of the Blind. The National Federation of the Blind does this every year. And the NFB goes to Capitol Hill and they advocate with their congressmen and women about blind people's rights. And there's so many different, like, topics and things that they discuss. And it's really, really interesting. I went last year in person. This year, due to COVID and the pandemic, it was done virtually. Excuse me. I was really, really happy to have gone last year. I did not go this year, but I am planning on doing that next year because it's so important. And I think that we as blind people, it's a very, very important thing. And so basically what happens is blind people from, like, different states, they all meet with their legislative congressmen and women. In case if I didn't explain that correctly, that is what happens. But I'm going to allow Kimberly to take the lead and explain to us what Washington Seminar is and what it consists of and the different topics that are discussed. Thank you, Angie. I went for the first time two years ago in person, obviously, and it was definitely an experience. What you do is you come with as many issues as are determined by that organization, and every state represents their state. Every person and blind person in that state represents their state and meets with their Congress men and women. And while they're there, they have the three issues, three or more issues that they want to push Congress to agree with. So we're there telling them our point of view, what we want them to sign off on, what will help us as blind people. And not only that, but tell our personal story if we have one dealing with that issue. So I'm going to go through the issues of what we did this year. And we're going to kind of share our stories about that issue and how it impacts us if we have one or have a story from someone we know of how it impacts them. So the first issue, also this year it was done virtually. So that's why I was not with you guys. We were able to talk to the Congress leaders over Zoom. And so that was definitely very interesting and very exciting to be able to be involved in such a 
profound and impactful event that we could still do during COVID and keep each other safe. And I'm proud to say I convinced three people from the chapter that I am president of to take part in two out of the three are brand new to the chapter and have never gone to Washington seminar. So they were able to experience it for themselves, being able to stay home and get through to these leaders. So the first issue is called the Access Technology Affordable Act. And this is something that would help blind people since access technology is so overwhelmingly expensive. This act will allow us to get a tax credit of $2,000 every three years that would sunset at five years. So basically that means after five years, it would go into effect again. So technically, if you needed it, you could apply for the refund after the fifth year again. But this would allow us to buy equipment that we need just in case that division of vocational rehabilitation, if we are not involved with that, that is a state agency that helps disabled people find work. And unfortunately, if you are not involved in that, you aren't able to purchase this with help with that state agency. And so pretend you're not finding work, but you still need like a refreshable braille display. You still need magnifiers. You still need a um, JAWS for your computer, things like that. But let's face it, we're not rich. Obviously, a lot of us are on Social Security and don't work. And even if you do work, we don't have $3,000 to drop on a Braille embosser, which is a Braille printer. We don't have, like me, I'm going through schooling right now and I use a refreshable braille display. We don't have, I don't have $3,000 to drop on a refreshable braille display in order to complete my schooling. That's not including the program I used is called Duxbury for completing my braille transcription classes. That's not including the JAWS I use on my computer. That's not including a uh, embosser that I'll need down the line and my refreshable braille display is okay for now but it's not going to be functional most likely in 10 years. It doesn't cover a new laptop. It doesn't cover a Chromebook. It doesn't cover a MacBook. Like all that stuff is really expensive and given the fact that most of us are on social security we can't that's not even we don't even get that much a month, much less something to cover for these really expensive items. So without going on too much of a tangent, that's basically what it would cover because there are so many of us that need this, this, this equipment. There are so many of us that need this equipment desperately. And I know, Angie, you have your own story as far as this yes, goes. Yes, I do. So, I 
recently just had a appointment with my voc rehab counselor. A lot of states call them voc rehab counselors or VR counselors. I know here people call them DVR counselors, but anyway, I had an appointment with my VR counselor today and we were discussing my case and I wrote a justification letter explaining why I need the assistive technology that I need. One of them being a refreshable braille display and a new MacBook because mine is outdated. And I was denied. <laughs> I was denied um, and I was told that my braille reading speed isn't or doesn't doesn't justify my need for a braille display just because I right now I do not read at a well according to them how could I say this my braille reading speed isn't good enough for a braille display which doesn't make sense because how else am I supposed to practice reading Braille? I mean, sure, I can... I have a Braille writer. I have Braille paper. But it's easier to access Braille books and download them rather than having to get them from, you know, get hard copies. And right now, with the mail being so delayed because of COVID, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever. And then also another thing, my counselor was like, well, what about a screen reading software? Can't you, can't you read with that? Is, aren't there any alternatives to Braille? <laughs> so I was just like, look, those are great. Audiobooks are great, but there is nothing better than being able to read something for yourself instead of hiring a reader, because she even mentioned that. Like, And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that for work. There's no way in hell that they're going to pay for somebody, that my employer is going to provide somebody to read something to me all the time. There's no way. Um, yeah, sure, I can use my, I can use my screen reader, but there's nothing better than reading Braille. Braille is not dying. Braille is still very relevant. Braille is always going to be needed. So, there's that, but I'm gonna definitely be appealing for that. It's just so crazy because I've never heard of anything like that. I do have to say, if you want to continue to read Braille, it is difficult to get hard copies and it takes a long time, like you said. And it's harder. Like for me, it was so hard to read it like on a hard copy. For me, it was so hard to read on a hard copy because then that's my problem yeah i it's easier for me to read on a display 
rather than reading something in hard copy. Hard copy, it takes me, it takes me a while. Because my... Go ahead. It's hard because it's hard to differentiate between the lines. And it's a lot easier to get lost with hard copy. I mean, I had to, like, really, really work at it. And it was during my training where I was forced to. I know not everyone really wants to do that. And we shouldn't have to have that be our only means when DVR is telling us we won't support this because there's such and such option. Well, when you're first learning Braille, for me, so what I can do it hard copy because it took me hours and hours and hours and hours of practice. But if you're new, like you are, Angie, a Braille display actually could increase your speed exponentially because you're not trying to differentiate between the lines. You're not trying to just simply determine if you have the the paper backwards, you know, like upside mm-hmm. down. Like, because I've been given handouts and I'm like, I'm reading and reading it and then I'll realize I'll hand it to a blind friend and they'll be like, oh, you have it upside down. It's like, that's how difficult it can be to try to read. We don't even realize it's upside down until they were like good enough to know that it's upside down so we're not struggling over every single letter. Right, and, and, and learning Braille as an adult that in itself, that's hard. Okay, like, yes, my my reading speed is never going to be proficient as somebody who who's total and has been reading Braille since they were, like, three. There's no way. No. There is no way. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely practicing and hoping that my reading speed increases, right? To a point where I am very, very comfortable. But it is not going to compare. You cannot compare somebody, like an adult who who learned Braille later, to somebody who's been reading Braille since they were a child. There's just no way. Right. There's no way in hell. And it's... And it's not to say that somebody who's been reading Braille all their life, like, it's not, it, I'm not trying to say anything bad. Like, I, it's awesome. If you had the opportunity to learn Braille as a child, that is awesome. But I also do have so much respect for people like me who learned how to read it later as an adult. Like, the executive director at the training center that I went to, I remember this was maybe like one to two days of me graduating and I was in the communications room reading Braille on a Braille display and she came up and she was listening to me read. And when I read Braille, I read like a child who's barely learning how to read. Uh, It's so embarrassing, but you know, I'm just kind of like, See, spot, run. That's just an example. I wasn't reading a kid's book. I was reading something that my instructor wrote back to me because we were writing notes on a display and passing it around. So that way we could practice writing and reading. And 
Anyway, the executive director comes upstairs and listens to me read, and, you know, she said, hey, she said, you're doing a good job. She's like, I love listening to people read when they've had to learn Braille later as an adult, because, you know, she said, and, 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 it, and it's not to mean, and it doesn't mean that somebody who read Braille since they were a child, it doesn't mean anything bad. She said, the reason why I, it's so significant to me listening to adults reading Braille who've had to learn it as an adult, she said, because it reminds me of me. She had to learn Braille later on in life when she lost vision. And, you know, for her, like, that's just, it, ama it, it, it amazes her and it reminds her of herself, how she had to go through and learn Braille and learn the code and, and everything. And so that is awesome. But yes, <laughs> let's move on to our other, our other topic, because I mean, yes, technology is awesome. It's important. Um, we really, really need this bill to pass because it will help us very much tremendously definitely and I like what you said about being a slow reader I it's 10 years out from my training and I read 99% of the time every day and I I still feel myself as slow so don't feel bad and listeners don't feel bad if you're feel like you're a slow reader because it ta it just takes time and dedication and it'll come. So the next thing is the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. And that will require medical devices to be accessible and have some form of audible or accessible way of working the device. So for instance, I know a big lead to blindness is diabetes. And I have a friend who is blind and has diabetes. And she has one, count them, one talking diabetic glucose monitor to choose from. There's only one. That's appalling. And not only just that, but there's, you know, thermometers out there that have come a long way, but we're talking about medical equipment that is everyday equipment, not just take your temperature. Blood pressure cuffs, those need to be accessible in some way because we have lots of people who come home from the hospital who need to, need to check their blood pressure. We're trying to be independent tax paying citizens here and we're trying to stay at home we shouldn't have to have to find a sighted person just to tell us what our blood pressure is same with oxygen tanks lots of people especially during covid but i want to point out this happens outside of covid too leave the hospital with an oxygen tank if they're not living with a sighted person they don't know what their oxygen level is. It's a dial 
with a marker behind a glass panel. Guess what? You're blind. You can't read it. Same goes for chemotherapy equipment. If you're not living with someone sighted, they can't tell you what your levels are and things like that. So now we're talking about the issue. Then perfectly capable people that want to be put in their homes outside of the hospital have to be put in a nursing home or an extended care facility or rehab facility just because the fact they can't use the equipment, medical equipment they're given. That is vital. Okay, we are taking up places in nursing homes and facilities like that just we can't see. Just We are taking up places and facilities like that just for the fact we can't see the equipment that we are given. That's not right. Not everyone has the ability to have a neighbor come and help them. Not everyone lives with a parent or a guardian that helps them. Not everyone lives with a parent or a guardian that can help them with this. And then we have the fact then the state needs to pay for a caregiver to come in and help them with these things. We shouldn't have to take up and muddy up the care staff just because we can't see the equipment we're given. So that is going to, that is what this act will help with to make medical equipment accessible to the blind. Right. I agree. I definitely agree with that comment about us not having to muddy up health care. How could I say this? A a caregiver um, to help us with something like an oxygen take if we need it, that type of thing. And for that, I feel like there are there are people out there who who really need who really need a caregiver. You know, like, I feel like, as a blind person, like, if I, if I ever needed something like an oxygen tank, whatever it was, like, I would hope and I would want it to be accessible because I wouldn't want to have to depend on somebody to come in and read my levels to me or whatever it is or, like, help me set it up because there are people out there who really need a caregiver to help them with other things. Exactly. Like the person who was describing their story to the Congress leaders about this bill was saying how his wife just got back from being in the hospital and has a tank. Well, if something, God forbid, would have happened to his wife and she would have passed out or it malfunctioned or something, he is blind. His wife is sighted. What do you do? You call the paramedics. They come and help. Well, what if it was just a simple thing as small as reversing the dial? Then we have to have an an astronomical ambulance fee. Mm -hmm. I know from experience with family members that ambulances are not cheap. And then they come, and it's a wasted call because it takes them three seconds do the dial, the person's fine. Like, obviously, if we were sighted, we'd be able to manage that. But then 
a life-threatening emergency happens because we can't see the dial. Like, really, people? Come on. Right. So is there anything else you wanted to add to that, Angie? Not at the present moment. Let's go on to the third topic, shall we? Okay. This one is the 21st Century Mobile App and Website Accessibility Act. And this will allow websites and apps to be accessible to blind people. There are many websites out there that do not read things correctly. One instance that I came across with a with a close friend is that unfortunately, lots of websites in general have applications to fill out. Your name, your credit card information, your address, things like that. But I have a good friend who's blind, been blind all her life, and she has gotten three or four jobs where she's been hired on, but the website that she uses for that job is not accessible, so she's had to walk away. Bear in mind, she was hired for the job. She had all the qualifications. That is not cool. That websites aren't accessible. And there's someone who could be a tax-paying citizen, get money, get off of SSI. And then the website that they have to work for, and the website that they have to work with for their job is not accessible, so they can't perform the job. That's that's hard. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's hard enough to get hired for a job than to have to turn down three to four jobs because their website isn't accessible. That just is ridiculous. Not to mention apps. There's so many apps out there that are not accessible. Obviously, we went through that with the with Promid in that episode about yep. Louie. What was that app called again? Louis Voice Control, yes. Louis Voice Control, because there are so many apps that are not accessible. All you get is button, button, button. Well, what does this do? You press it, and yep. it could be a bad thing. Well, mm-hmm. the personal story that I heard when it came to this topic for Washington Seminar is that app developers, they don't really think about how they need to make their apps accessible. They just throw out an update or throw out an app and don't even like think twice about can a blind person use this? Well, this one guy, he Uber is obviously accessible, at least it is up until this point. And he was using Uber and he was out to dinner with friends. While he was out to dinner, the Uber app decided to update on him. So he was not able to schedule his Uber. All he got was button. He had to, unfortunately, hand his phone to a stranger. Obviously, not a good option. Luckily, that stranger did not take advantage of him in order for him to get home and book his Uber. So my point is that people do not have standards when it comes to making apps and making websites. And blind people are unfortunately having to 
sue website developers and app developers because they're not accessible. Well, this act will allow people to roll out certain standards in which websites and app developers need to abide by, because sometimes they're just clueless. And this way they'll have like an instruction manual of sorts, metaphorically speaking, of how to make their website accessible to a blind person before they make it public to save us a lot of grief and them a lot of grief so they don't get sued from people because it's our right. Exactly. I agree. The last thing is the American with the Americans with Disabilities Voting Rights Act. And this is going to be a little bit of a lengthy introduction, but basically, as blind people, we have an option where we have a accessible voting machine. But the problem with accessible voting machines is that they're supposed to be at every polling place, but they're not. They haven't been in my case. And there's supposed to be someone who works there that knows how to use it. But there haven't been. But there haven't been, at least in my case. And this gets me so upset because it is our right and it is illegal for them to not have a accessible voting machine on the premises and for them to not have someone who works there and for them to have someone who works there who doesn't know how to use it. I have happened both cases. Unfortunately, since I lost my vision, I have not, never, ever, not once, been able to cast my vote privately and independently. Also, the problem with these machines are they have either a smaller-sized ballot or the texture is different with the ballot. So if you're walking through the polling place with your ballot from that voting machine, there goes your secret ballot. And when they are counted, obviously, if you're Joe Smith from a certain location and you're the only one who used that voting machine, They're going to know when counting the ballots, oh, by the way, this is from an accessible voting machine in district whatever. It must be Joe Smith. That's not good either. So basically for me, I either ran into the problem I was told it's illegal for the places to not have an accessible voting machine. At least twice I've been where they don't have it. So I've had to rely on a sighted person to help me cast my vote, which is nonetheless disturbing in the least because you don't know if they're marking off who they want or you want. And then in 2016, they had finally had an accessible voting machine in my district. I did everything I was told to do. Like I won't say 
quote unquote correctly because there's not a correct way. You shouldn't have to. But I was thinking, well, I'm going to make sure that this voting machine is in my area before voting day. So I called them. They assured me it would be there. I get there. What do you know? It's there. Okay. Obviously, I've never used it. I fought up until this point to try to get one where it needs to be. Not No matter that it didn't need to be, I shouldn't have had to make sure it should be there. It should be there. And But I get to the point where no one there knows how to use it. So I wasn't able to use it. That's not right either because there needs to be and it's illegal for someone to not be there, for someone to be there that knows how to use it. Uh, there should have been someone there. It was my right, but there wasn't. So here again, thank God I had a friend with me, a good friend that's trustworthy, that filled out my ballot. But I don't know if in any case if someone who's filling out my ballot for me is filling out who I want or not. I don't know for sure. And that's not right either. And then obviously with this election coming up, I did it early voting and the machine wasn't there. At least I didn't even check. Like I was just like, I assume it's not here. But then I had to, again, have someone help me vote. If it wasn't COVID, I would have done it the day of, but obviously my decision. But the thing is, is that this is what we deal with. So our solution is to try to get a website that has it accessible and we are able to vote through that website. 26 states use this already. States like Michigan, North Carolina, I believe. I can't remember the other states, but 26 states have access to this and have been able to use this. It's similar to what the veterans used when casting their ballot. So obviously, veteran, obviously veterans are away from home, so they can't vote at home and have a ballot. So they use the same type of thing where it's a website. So our solution is to try to get that passed so we don't have to worry about there not being machines. So we don't have to worry about people not being knowledgeable in working the machines. So we don't have to worry about our ballots looking different. And so we don't have to worry about not knowing how to use it. Yes, I definitely agree with that. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Um, it's not fair. I think that you should have been taught how to use that if it was available and it also should have been available instead of it not being available because everybody deserves to vote independently and privately certainly I mean I've luckily the polling place that I'm that I go to does have it and I'm fortunate but and I've used it but I think that all polling places should have it regardless definitely okay so i am going to discuss 
because there are two blindness organizations here in the U.S. So the NFB, which Kimberly and I are both a part of, and there's also the ACB, which is the American Council of the Blind. They also have their legislative meeting, and it was also held virtually this year, this month, and it's called Washington Connection, I believe. And they have a couple of of topics that they are advocating for, some of which that we've also advocated for as well. We as in the NFB. So without further ado, I'm going to discuss them a little bit. Um, but we will definitely be linking information about the NFB and the ACB down in the show notes, as well as the topics for this year's legislative meetings. Well, the topics that were discussed. I'm pretty sure that's still available. The ACB has, their first topic is the Disability Access to Transportation Act. And basically what this act, this bill does is it oversees the development of maintenance of roads, bridges, public transit, and rails. And the FAST Act is what it's called, strengthens the transportation programs, refocuses on national priorities, provides long-term certainty and flexibility for states and local governments, streamlines, projects, approved processes. I was going to say processes. Uh, I don't know why. And maintains a strong commitment to safety. Which is great. And I think it's awesome because we need to be able to have transportation that's accessible to us as blind people. It's so important because we don't drive. And... The lack of accessible public transit, it just doesn't look so good. Um, And it's harder for us to get around and live our daily lives. Kimberly, do you have any, anything to say about that? Sure. I need them to work on this because not all places have for instance, where I live, it doesn't have GPS on their buses. It, they say that it's going to come in the future, in years, not months. Um, and I was used to having GPS on my bus in, in Minneapolis. I was, I would say, spoiled with as many times the bus came and the GPS being on there, and although I'm very anxious traveling, I'd still like to know what stop I'm coming up to, things like that. So if I would feel a lot more comfortable if this was passed and that there could be a workaround with making transportation more accessible. Right. And... One of the things that the FAST Act... Okay. 
sorry, I have to re um rethink my steps here. <laughs> so basically what this will do is it'll create a create and fund a five-year paratransit pilot program allowing passengers to make one stop during their trip for purposes. Um, so like groceries, pharmacy, childcare if you have kids, and banking and stuff like that. Like if you have to go to the bank. Um, and also it will require the Department of Transportation and the U.S. Access Board to create guidelines setting forth minimum standards for pedestrian facilities in the public right-of-way. And it will also provide greater access for individuals to file complaints regarding paratransit service with the Department of Transportation. And it will also create an accessibility data pilot program to assist local communities in identifying gaps in transportation and methods to improve service to low-income minority and older and older older and disabled populations and it will also include the funding excuse me and it will also increase the funding levels that fill gaps in services for older adults and people with disabilities nice Yes, so that's the, that is called the DATA Act, which stands for the Disability Access to Transportation Act. So that, so the call to action is that the AC, bleh, I cannot speak today. The call to action that the ACB is urging Congress is to reintroduce the DATA Act and the pass that legislation as part of the reauthorization of the FAST Act. Another thing that they are also discussing is the Exercise and Fitness for All Act. Because, as we know, it, physical activity plays a role in maintaining your health, your well-being, and your quality of life. And nobody wants to be sick with, like, a heart condition or anything like that. So, basically, what is happening is they want to pass this bill that would promote the provision of exercise and fitness equipment and exercise and fitness classes and instructions to be accessible for individuals with disabilities. Because that is super important. Like, I I would love to go to a Zumba class and be able to follow along. Yeah. Knowing that it's descriptive. Because I've, even though I have some vision, it's very hard for me to follow a class like that. Yeah. Because they move so fast and they're not telling you which, what movements you're doing or what movements you, you, you have to do. Yeah, I feel so left out. That's when I'm reminded greatly of how much my vision is making me feel left out in the world. And that's not a good feeling. It makes me feel sad and unimportant and 
knowing there's people around me that are doing it fine. It's like, all you got to do is give me this in a way that I can understand. I'm sure I can do it too, but it's just not around. There are some instructors that go above and beyond and can tell you, but in most cases, it's like, oh, we can give you a separate private class where I can explain this better. I don't want a separate and private class. Like, that's all well and good, and I would do it, but it's just like, isn't there another option? Right. Exactly. So that's really important. Another thing that they're also talking about is the voting act. You know, the thing about the paper ballots, how they'll hurt voters with disabilities, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So they're also very much in agreement about that and how that is very, very important. And they wrote a letter here explaining all about that, how that hurts voters. And from what I can see, the ACB, along with other organizations and the National Federation of the Blind, of course, um, and other organizations, blind organizations, and also organizations for other disabilities. They've all signed it, which is awesome. That is very important. And another thing that they've also are trying to deal with is the Amtrak Accessibility Settlement. And so I guess what's happening is Amtrak is accepting claims for monetary compensation for people with mobility disabilities who traveled or wanted to travel from or to one of these 78 stations and encountered accessibility issues. Uh So they're working with that for sure. Um, And I think it's awesome that both organizations are working towards helping make our lives as blind people better. We're in um, agreement of most things, and that's yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, every organization is different. Every organization is not always going to agree with everything that another organization believes in, or they're not going to have the same philosophy, but that's okay. That's awesome that the ACB is trying to do their part as well. Um, I know they've done, they've done several things which are great. One of them being audio description, which is awesome. But, yes. This doesn't, I mean, I'm not trying to say that the organization that I belong to or that I prefer is better because whatever you want to Whatever organization you want to get involved with, that's fine. We're not here to bash anybody, first and foremost. Uh, And we are not going to discuss philosophies because that can get very, very political. Whatever it is that you believe in, whatever it is that works for you, works for you. And that's fine. I have friends who who are involved in the NFB like me. Or who are a part of the NFB, like Kimberly and I. 
I haven't been involved in the state level yet because I was in training and all that, but I'm hoping to once again because it's very important. But I also have friends who believe in the ACB philosophy or who are a part of ACB, and that's fine. That's completely fine. And I have friends who are a part of neither organization, and that is fine too. I'm just glad that we have organizations that are, again, trying to help improve our lives and make them better, which is awesome. And that's why we're here, and that's why we wanted to include the ACB. We didn't want to be biased, and we didn't want you guys to think that we preferred one or the other. Obviously, we all learn something new here, but the topics that we deal with aren't just related to one organization. They're related to all of us, whether we're in these organizations or not. We wanted to make you aware, like, I know people who are like, you've really opened my eyes to what you deal with. And I said, that's what me and Angie's podcast is about, is educating the public and people who aren't involved in these issues personally, that this is something that we struggle with. This is something we have to deal with. This is why we're advocating such and such issue. So we don't have these barriers anymore. And if you didn't know it, that's not to say that you're a bad person because I didn't know some of the stuff that ACB was doing and most likely vice versa. But, Neither did I. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter which team we're on, quote-unquote. We're all dealing with the same things. Right. And if I am correct, I'm going to have to Google this just to be sure that I'm not, like, stating false information because I hate doing that. But I believe the ACB is the reason why we have audio description on, like, Netflix and stuff like that. That is amazing. I think they were the ones. Yeah, I I think they were the ones that, like, fought for that. I'm not completely sure. Again, I'm gonna have to Google it. And if I find it, I'm gonna definitely put it in the show notes down below. But again, don't quote me on that because, or Kimberly, if you want, you can Google it. Okay. Right now, if you want. Just for the sake oh. of <laughs> right now. Oh, okay. I know what you mean. Um, let's see. It doesn't say that they started it, but they have a a audio description project where they promote the use of it, and it's definitely a branch in their federation where they have people directly working with it, and it started with. Uh, Netflix and different things like that and they're working on it currently and you know throughout to provide more audio description to more services other than those things that is awesome they okay so I was kind of on the right track yeah wow okay that's cool so I was kind of on the right track a little bit just a tiny bit um but another thing I know that they're de- that they are working on is they've developed an app for CVS that helps read medication bottles. Oh, cool! 
which is really, really cool. Um, it's super cool. But yeah, um, all right. Anything more that we need to add that we didn't add? Nope, I think that's everything. Okay. Oh, wait. There is something I completely forgot about. <laughs> that uh, when it comes to the ACB and the topics that they discussed this year, I completely forgot about something. And I want to definitely add this in before we are finished. And that is the Secure Independence for Seniors and Medicare Beneficiaries Legislative Imperative. So, that basically talks about people who have vision impairments, um, who depend on assistive technology, that incorporates one or more lenses to aid in their vision. So like handheld magnifiers, video monitors, just a different array of technologies. And so basically what would happen is this legislation would evaluate through a five-year national demonstration project administered by the Department of Health, the fiscal impact of a permanent change to the Social Security Act, this legislation would allow reimbursement for certain low vision devices that are the most function rich and sustained daily independent living. So they would be considered like durable medical equipment. So I think it's similar to what we in the NFB are uh, advocating for, for sure. Mm-hmm. But this would be geared towards seniors, I'm assuming. Yes. Cool. Yeah, because they, they need stuff, too. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, well, it's it for seniors and Medicare, Medicare, I can't speak today, for seniors and Medicare legislative, yeah, for seniors and Medicare beneficiaries. Oh, good. Okay. So, yeah, I think it's everybody. But yeah, um, so I tried explaining <laughs> this to the best of my ability. Um, so if I, like, said anything that was not correct, don't come for me. Um, <laughs> I will definitely be linking all this along with the NFB's legislative topics in the show notes down below. We thank you guys so much for joining us on this bonus episode. And it's awesome that you, Kimberly, got to go to Washington Seminar and advocate with our congressmen and women from our state. Um, and it's just an amazing experience that we as blind people get to go do. And it is awesome. Definitely. Okay, so we're going to leave you guys here. You guys know where to find us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter. 
And also join our Patreon. Honestly, we need the support. It's just $5 a month, you know, give up that morning coffee, just $5 a month, come support us. We really want to start doing more content on Patreon for sure. Um, and that would definitely give you access to exclusives, like, there's like three different tiers. Um, I don't remember at the top of my head what those tiers are, but like, like it would give you access to content like bonus episodes, like you would listen to the episodes that drop first and that kind of thing if you support us. So please support us on Patreon. Also, um, I am personally on TikTok. Um, I'm trying to create content on that platform about blindness and stuff like that. So follow me on TikTok. It's the same handle as Twitter, at blindlookslike. Well, it's blind underscore looks underscore like underscore this. So, follow me on that. I'm also on Instagram, um, in case, if any of you care. Um, but, it's Facebook and Twitter and Patreon that are strictly related to the podcast, for sure. But, you can also, you can also listen to us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play. I completely forgot to mention Google no, wait, is it Google Play or Google Podcasts? And Google Podcasts. I completely forgot to mention Google um, on uh, the episode last time, so please forgive me. So, anyway, we are going to leave you with that. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the support. We love you guys, and we'll tune in next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.